No Odell Beckham Jr. in New Orleans. So what do the Saints need to do now? Why they should still try to dominate in the run game, even if Alvin Kamara can't go on Sunday? And how the New Orleans Saints passing attack can get going against the Tennessee Titans defense. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget we're here free and available for you on all platforms, including on YouTube. I'm your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at McDonald's serving community since 1965. McDonald's is more than just a place to stop off and get a tasty, affordable meal. They are an unofficial community center. We thank McDonald's for all that they do. And of course, I'm loving it. So the New Orleans Saints have been in the news quite a bit this week. Love that, but didn't love the result. The news cycle for the New Orleans Saints in their pursuit of Odell Beckham Jr., finally came to an end on Thursday as Odell Beckham Jr. signed with the Los Angeles Rams. So we're going to talk about why Odell Beckham Jr. made that decision, what it means for the New Orleans Saints, and then what the Saints have to do next to improve at pass catcher, which was a problem that really magnified in last week's loss against the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, look, there are some pretty clear and obvious reasons in terms of why OBJ decided to go to L.A. You look at the the chance to win a championship there, the chance to walk away with more money at the end of this season with Los Angeles than he would have gotten had he stayed in Cleveland. Because remember, Cleveland still picks up about $4.5 million of the bill. The uh, Los Angeles Rams effectively gave him a $1.25 million contract with more money on top of that based on incentives that can get him to a point to where he's up over the $7.5 million mark or so that he would have gotten with the uh, Cleveland Browns. So that would include winning a Super Bowl, going to the playoffs, all of that. But it is possible. That fantastic quarterback there in Matt Stafford, fantastic offensive system there with Sean McVay. And honestly, the role works really well for uh, Odell Beckham Jr. In New Orleans, he would have taken a ton of hits. He would have taken, uh, he would have been somebody that had to be the guy. He would have gotten a ton of targets. Now he gets to go to Los Angeles, do kind of the least amount of work and still walk away potentially with a ring at the end of the season because of all of the other weapons that the Los Angeles Rams have on offense. And of course, that defense that they have there as well. Now, of course, we've seen the Los Angeles Rams do this before. They go out, they spin big, they bring in these big names, all this other stuff, and then they lose in the playoffs. We've seen this happen time and time again, but I understand this choice for Odell Beckham Jr. So it makes sense why he goes to Los Angeles. I know a lot of people have said, well, why would you go to a place that Deshaun Jackson just left when, because Deshaun Jackson wasn't getting targets when you're leaving a team because you're not getting targets. And there's a big difference there, right? Odo Beckham Jr. wasn't getting targets in Los Angeles because the quarterback wasn't looking for him or the or when he was getting targets, it wasn't a very good throw. Not a great quarterback situation for him in Cleveland. He's got a much better quarterback situation right now in L.A. He gets the opportunity to be the home run hitter that Deshaun Jackson couldn't be because Deshaun Jackson also is limited in terms of what his skill set is. Odo Beckham Jr. still just at 29 years old. Yes, has been dealing with some injuries, but in a reduced role, should be able to run a much, much wider uh, route tree and be able to play more roles than what Deshaun Jackson had available to him in Los Angeles. So the target share 
in terms of Odell Beckham Jr. versus Deshaun Jackson should not be equal. It's going to be a little bit more uh, weighted in uh, OBJ's favor. So now what does this mean for the New Orleans Saints? It means that there's no savior for them right now in the passing game and at wide receiver. Michael Thomas is not coming back this season. Odell Beckham Jr. is not joining this team. And there's not a lot of options out there available in free agency that they could still go after. They could potentially go after a guy like John Brown, who just signed on to a practice squad um, in, in the NFL. So they could still sign him off of a practice squad if they wanted to. And if John Brown accepts that contract. But remember, it's not just the New Orleans Saints going out there and offering money. The players have to say yes, too. And so far, what they haven't been able to do in some of these cases, particularly with Odell Beckham Jr., is convince him to come to New Orleans. And there's a bunch of different reasons for that. There's the quarterback situation. There's the you know consistent change of identity because of the injuries that this team has been dealing with, the injuries on the offensive line. Now you have an injured Alvin Kamara who would usually help to shoulder a bunch of the load over on the offensive side as well. So you still have to be able to provide a desirable enough opportunity for a wide receiver. It should be there. We can see that, but not everybody sees it the same way that we see it. So for the New Orleans Saints, what do they have to do now? They're going to have to solve this problem with the wide receivers, with the pass catchers that are in the facility. Now, there's not really any opportunity to go out there and say this person can help change the complexion or the trajectory of where this wide receiver core, this pass catching core is headed. So these wide receivers, these tight ends who had this big drop problem against the Atlanta Falcons, you can't have a repeat of that. And remember, Throughout the season, drops haven't been that much of an issue. The actual team leader in drops, according to Sports Info Solutions, is actually Alvin Kamara. So it's not really been the pass-catching uh, sort of players, right? Tight ends, wide receivers. The drop thing has sort of been recent, right? The big issues early on in the season were things like spacing, right? Receivers being too close to one another and therefore clustering together defensive players. Uh, falling down on route separation was obviously a big one. So that means that the Saints are going to have to figure this out and be more scheme specific, and they're going to have to execute more precisely. And that's going to eliminate some of the things like the spacing issues where receivers are running into the same general area or receivers being more precise in their route running so that they're not falling over while they're running routes, things like that. You have no more world beater options, right? You don't have the player that you've been waiting for to come back, coming back, the player that you could potentially add th at this point in the season that can change everything for you. So that means that the guys in the facility are going to have to fix what's going on, right? They're going to have to perform better, execute more precisely at those pass catching positions. And it's going to have to be create creative, right? They're going to have to get creative with matchups. How do you use these players that have extraordinary versatility? How do you utilize Alvin Kamara more in the passing game once he comes back and is healthy later on? Or, or I mean, we technically don't know that he's out against Tennessee, but I would be surprised if he played. I'll say it that way. Um, Ty Montgomery, extremely versatile. Taysom Hill only played 12 snaps last game up against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, of course, he was coming back from a concussion that sidelined him for effectively three weeks, which included a bye week in there, but still three weeks of protocol. So I understand not wanting to throw him in there and potentially get him hurt. And you're you're dealing with head injuries. You're talking about long-term potential damage there. So I understand that. But how do you utilize him safely when it's safe to do so? in terms of creating things that are more scheme versatile and taking advantage of mismatches. So those are going to be the big things that you're going to have to do. Can you use more bunch packages against man coverage? Can you find softer spaces in the zones versus zone coverage? So the Saints are going to have to get very creative and continue to find ways to manufacture separation, manufacture open receivers with yards after catch opportunities. So that's just simply what the Saints are going to have to do moving forward. That's going to come down to coaching. It's going to come down to game plan. It's going to come down to execution 
on the field. And there's going to be a little bit of different execution on the field for the New Orleans Saints going into Sunday up against the Tennessee Titans, especially if Alvin Kamara doesn't hit the field. However, this team still needs to be comfortable enough to go out there and try to produce on the ground. And there's a chance that they can do it. And it's all thanks to Mark Ingram. So let's talk about that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to let you know that today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our good friends over at McDonald's, serving communities for uh, since 1965. Not just a place for you to go and get that tasty and affordable meal. They're an unofficial community center, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group or, you know, they have that dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries, McFlurries, and my favorite the apple pies, of course. So win or lose, it's a place where teammates, where competitors, where the home team or the away team can come refuel and recharge. Excellent place, of course. You're always stopping on any of those road trips and stuff like that. I remember my couple of cross-country road trips always making stops at McDonald's, get my big old drink, get my apple pies, get my french fries, get my dinner and feel really good as I continue on throughout the rest of those trips. Great place to re. So if you're coming back from a little league game, you're coming back from a sporting event, you're heading home after church on Sundays, make sure that you head to McDonald's to refuel, recharge, and reconnect. Somebody say locked on Saints watch party. You can get it all over at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. All right, family, thanks again for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. So grateful to be a part of your routine. And as we always do on Fridays, we tend to look at keys to victory. But I'm going to go a little bit more in depth here because there are some big schematic things in this game that can work in favor for the New Orleans Saints. But because of the availability that they have, it might be a little bit tough to take advantage of them. So Here's the deal. The Saints in this game, if they want to win against the Tennessee Titans, they're going to need to run the ball. They're going to need to produce on the ground. And listen, it's not going to be easy without Alvin Kamara, but here's why it's possible. And it all comes down to running back Mark Ingram. Don't forget the New Orleans Saints drafted Mark Ingram in 2011, spent the majority of his career with the New Orleans Saints. Then the Saints ended up having him become a free agent. There was some stuff going on with an agent that said, hey, we can get you more money if we go somewhere else. Then they went to Baltimore and promptly didn't get more money than they would have gotten in New Orleans. He ended up moving on from uh, Baltimore over to the Houston Texans. And earlier this season, the New Orleans Saints, who had been dealing with some injuries behind Alvin Kamara at the running back position, traded literally the least valuable asset that you can trade, a seventh round pick three years from now, which is as far in the future as you can trade something in order to bring Mark Ingram back to his rightful place back home where he never should have left in the first place to New Orleans. Now, there are going to be a couple of storylines that you're going to watch throughout this game. Mark Ingram is only 20 yards away from securing the New Orleans Saints all-time leading rush uh, rushing yardage total. He would have loved to have gotten it last week at home in New Orleans, as he discussed when he spoke with media uh, earlier this week. But hey, getting it in Tennessee, just as good. And here's the deal. Mark Ingram has led this system. He has been the lead back in this system before. Not a lot has changed since his departure that would keep him from being able to do it again. He was successful in this role in 2018. And in fact, he was successful in a rushing role against the Atlanta Falcons. But unfortunately, the New Orleans Saints eventually dug themselves into an 18.3 score deficit, and they weren't able to keep going with what worked, which was continuing to move the ball on the ground. So where is it that Mark Ingram continues to give you what you need? 
Well, he's somebody that can operate in a gap scheme or a zone scheme as well as a man scheme, right? Where you're not you're effectively telling him in a in a gap scheme or in a zone scheme to give a little bit of a read. Are you going to bounce the outside? Are you going to bang up the middle? Or are you going to bend back? Whatever it is, you're going to do wherever those holes are going to open up. You're trying to make that read and then attack the right hole, depending upon what is opening up, what the defense is doing, and how well the offensive line has executed and where they've executed. Versus a man scheme to where it's you got one gap, that's where you're running. These guys are going to move people out of your way. <laughs> and ideally that works. But the good thing with Mark Ingram is that you can run both of those schemes with him. So it allows you a little bit of scheme versatility in the run game, but he's not limited to just the run game. As we saw last week, the New Orleans Saints not afraid to utilize him in the screen game and the passing game as well, particularly out in the flats. So he does get opportunities to where you will be able to uh, continue to mix and match your usage of running backs out of the backfield. So it's not just run all the time, but instead you're also looking at opportunities to get him involved in the passing game. Now, the big thing is going to be usually with Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, you have a bit of a change of pace. And right now you don't have that if if Alvin Kamara is in fact unable to go on Sunday, which again, we expect, especially with a knee injury, not having practice on Wednesday or Thursday. So with that being the case, you have to find other ways to generate change of pace. We don't know who the quarterback is going to be for this game. Technically, it hasn't been announced yet. Sean Payton did say it's going to be week to week. There's a chance we could see Taysom Hill under center, but it seems more likely that it's going to be Trevor Simeon again, and that could work in the New Orleans Saints benefit because then you have guys like Ty Montgomery and Taysom Hill that you can utilize schematically to create mismatches like we just talked about in that last segment. What do the Saints need to do in the passing game? You can utilize these guys to help there, but you can also utilize them to help you in the run game as well. You can effectively run similar concepts with Ty Montgomery as you would run with Alvin Kamara. You can effectively run similar concepts with uh, Taysom Hill as you would run with Alvin Kamara. Now, it's not going to look the same. It's not going to be as good as when you do it with Alvin Kamara, but you can take uh, guys from the backfield and then take advantage of man coverage, which the Titans don't play a ton, which is going to be key in this game. We'll talk about more in detail in just a little bit. But when they are caught in a man coverage situation, you could start one of those backs, Ty Montgomery or Taysom Hill in the backfield and then motion them out wide and then force a linebacker to play out on the boundary, just like what uh, the the Falcons did with Cordero Patterson in situations where they got him lined up outside with, let's say, Quan Alexander, for instance. It's a very, very good piece of the game plan that the Saints usually use with Alvin Kamara. If Alvin Kamara is not available, doesn't mean that that's no longer a part of your game plan. You're just using other players to go ahead and get that done. And then here's something really interesting that the Saints could do to help themselves out in the run game. What if, we'll play a little bit of Marvel here, what if Mark Ingram played Alvin Kamara's role as somebody that can run the gap scheme, somebody that can run the man scheme, run between the tackles, run some outside zones, some inside zones, all the things that the Saints like to do with Alvin Kamara, and can also be a part of your passing game, not to the point where you're going to maybe send him on a wheel route or line him up on the outside and then have him run a fly route, fly route down the field, but maybe you'll be able to get him in situations with the screen game, out in the flats, sort of more how Alvin Kamara was used last week against the Atlanta Falcons. And then the New Orleans Saints, instead of using Mark Ingram as a power back, elevate Josh Adams, who they just signed earlier this week after they knew that they were dealing with this injury with Alvin Kamara a little bit, and bring him up to the active roster and allow him to be the power back. Talk about change of pace, that changes everything in terms of what your expectation is as a defense going into this game. Now, why do I think Josh Adams could be somebody that could do something like that? Well, six foot two, 225 pounds. He's a quintessential power back for you. With the New York Jets, he averaged or throughout his career so far, which started with the New York Jets, he averaged 4.3 yards per carry as well as 6.7 yards per reception. Now, he didn't catch a lot of passes, but when he did, particularly in his first season with the Jets, where he also had 120 carries and had a lot of attention in that season, 
you ended up actually getting him over eight yards per reception during that time. So he has a little bit of scheme versatility there in terms of how you can utilize him in both the run game and the passing game. But more importantly, more recently, he also averaged five point yards per carry in 2020 with the New York Jets who couldn't block their way or run their way out of a paper bag last year. So I think that with Josh Adams, it does give you the opportunity to generate the change of pace from the power back spot while creating all of the other pieces, the versatile uh, sort of area of the game with Mark Ingram, which could be a little bit different than maybe what the Tennessee Titans are expecting. So there are a lot of ways that Sean Payton can get creative in this game. And there are a lot of different ways where they might be able to still produce in the run game, which is going to be essential for them. My bold prediction for this game is that Mark Ingram runs for over 100 yards in this one. So I think that they can make it work. And Sean Payton is the right coach for it. Now, that's the run game. What about the passing game? What do the Saints receivers need to do up against what can actually be a plus matchup for them schematically up against the Tennessee Titans? That's what we'll talk about next. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Get Upside. Listen, today's episode of Locked on Saints is presented by the most incredible app ever created. It's a free app that you can get from your app store or from Google Play, wherever it is that you get your apps. It's called Get Upside. Upside. All you have to do is download it and then you go to the gas stations that are a part of this program. And as you go and you fill up your tank, you can get up to 25 cents back per gallon. This is really, really awesome. I've started using this recently. Um, uh, Luke Braun, my co host over at Locked On NFL on Tuesdays, he's using it a bunch. And as these gas prices rise, it's fantastic to be able to get 25 cents back per gallon anytime that we fill up. And just to give you a little bit of a, a, a bit of a bonus here, let me give you a 25 cent bonus on your first fill up by using the promo code touchdown. It's going to get you up to 50 cents back per gallon. You can cash this out whenever you want. It's going to go to your GetUpside account and you can cash it out directly to your bank account. You can have it sent to you via PayPal, or you can even get gift cards from like Amazon and other brands as well. Some folks getting $200, $300 back per month by using this app. So don't delay. Go grab it today. Get upside. And don't forget to use the promo code touchdown so you can get that 25 cent bonus. That's with the Get Upside app. Let's get it. Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. And the last topic we want to talk about here is the Saints in the passing game. We know what the Saints have to do defensively. We talked about the run game. We talked a little bit about what the New Orleans Saints need to do in order to produce in the passing game, even without Odo Beckham Jr. And up against the Tennessee Titans, there is a good opportunity for them to start to build some rhythm because the Saints can win through the air up against a Tennessee Titans defensive scheme. So here's what I want to point out. Of the defensive backs with the most coverage snaps for the Tennessee Titans, that includes Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins, of course, former New Orleans Saint, New Orleans Saints legend, if you will, uh, Elijah Molden, as well as uh, Chris Johnson. All of those corners, all three of those corners have played over 200 coverage snaps for the, uh, for the Tennessee Titans. They're playing man coverage only 30% of the time. They've been excellent when in man coverage, and that also includes their fourth corner in terms of snaps which is Christian Fulton, who in man coverage, former LSU Tiger, has allowed only eight catches on 20 targets. They've also been fantastic tacklers in man coverage as well, with only three misses amongst the like eight or nine corners that have played so far for the Tennessee Titans in those man coverage schemes. So that's a big opportunity for the New Orleans Saints. Yes, they have struggled against man coverage a lot during the season and the Tennessee Titans play well in man coverage. Of course, we saw how good Janoris Jenkins was 
in man coverage schemes for the New Orleans Saints just last year. But the Titans don't play a lot of man coverage. Once again, that's only around 30% man coverage for their top couple of corners there. Now, you look at what those same corners play in terms of zone coverage, and you're averaging about 60% of snaps in zone coverage, including Janoris Jenkins. And the reason why I highlight that is because we just mentioned how good Janoris Jenkins was in man coverage for the Saints last year, but he is a quintessential man coverage corner. So when you put him in a zone-heavy scheme, it's kind of the opposite of the conversation that we had about Richard Sherman at the beginning of the season, where we talked about what happens if you take a zone heavy scheme corner and then put them in a man coverage corner. Well, look no further than the division mate Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how much uh, Richard Sherman has been struggling so far this system in that Tampa two in that man heavy man coverage system. You can see similarly when it comes to Janoris Jenkins having to play more zone coverage than man coverage. Right now, the top three corners, those same ones, Janoris Jenkins, Elijah Molden, and Chris Jackson are averaging around a 70% completion percentage allowed when in zone coverage for the Tennessee Titans defense. And they're allowing passer ratings, Janoris Jenkins, 136.8, and then Elijah Molden, 94.6. You're around 75 with Chris Jackson, who's actually played pretty well. And then those top three corners alone have missed five tackles of the eight missed tackles across the team amongst corners playing in zone coverage. So that means a couple of things. That means that for the New Orleans Saints, you're getting cushion in zone coverage. You're getting potential completions there. You're here over 70% completion percentage allowed from those top corners in zone coverage. And with those missed tackles, you're getting yards after catch. That comes with also finding holes in zone, which inherently give you yards after catch opportunity. Now let's go a step further. Let's not just talk about the Tennessee Titans defense because the Tennessee Titans defense may do this, but so far the New Orleans Saints receivers have been less than reliable in most cases this season. But there are two key exceptions here and they happen to be the Saints top two wide receivers going up against zone coverage so far this season. So far, Deontay Harris has 21 catches. 15 of them have come against zone coverage. Uh, 273 of his 323 receiving yards have come against zone coverage, and both of his touchdowns so far this season have come against zone coverage. So Deontay Harris has been excellent up against zone defenses, has struggled a little bit more against man coverage. That makes a lot of sense, right? Because you're talking about a guy that doesn't have a lot of size, that doesn't have sort of that man beater wide receiver body, but has the speed has the hands. I know he had a drop last week, but remember, Deontay Harris has not been an issue for the New Orleans Saints when it comes to drops this season, but this gives an opportunity to continue to do what he does well and run a little bit more of the traditional wide receiver route tree that we've seen the Saints ask him to run so far this season, and he's done a good job finding holes in zones and situations where he's running crossing patterns or he's running comebacks, where he's running out routes, things like that. He's done a very, very good job finding and taking advantage of that cushion. Now, it doesn't stop in terms of the production, let's look at the percentages as well, the efficiency. 76.7 completion percentage for Deontay Harris against man coverage, excuse me, zone coverage, my apologies, and 18.2 yards per catch up against zone coverage as well with 111 yards after catch. So he has been incredibly productive and efficient against zone coverage, which the Tennessee Titans run the absolute most as their primary coverage. Now, It doesn't stop at Deontay Harris. Thankfully, there's one other player that you can look at and find a similar sort of disparity. Very productive, very efficient against zone coverage, not as productive, not as efficient against man coverage. And that is number one, jersey number one, Marquez Callaway. Marquez Callaway, so far, 14 of his 22 catches on the season have come against 
zone coverage, 192 of his 309 yards. None of his touchdowns of his four, but that's because a lot of his touchdowns have come in the red zone where defenses tend to go man heavy. Something to consider here too about where these defenses and where these defensive backs for Tennessee are getting 30% of their um, of their man coverage snaps, mostly in the red zone. So when it comes down to it, you're seeing production and efficiency when it comes to Marquez Callaway between the 20s in zone coverage and being able to put points on the board against man coverage in the red zone. Not a bad place to be going up against this defense. 73.7% completion percentage for Marquez Callaway against zone coverage. That's important because on the season, his total completion percentage or, or excuse me, catch rate is only 56.4%. So he has dominated in situations against man coverage. He is not, excuse me, in situations against zone coverage. He has not been impactful in situations against man coverage. If you remember, he's got a 50% contested catch completion rate. A lot of those contested catches are probably coming against man coverage as well. And he's averaging 13.7 yards per reception against zone coverage as well. So, okay, Ross, you just threw a bunch of numbers at me, but what does this all mean? This means that where the New Orleans Saints perform best in the passing game when they've had success in the passing game, it has come against zone coverage, which is exactly what the Tennessee Titans run 60% of the time, nearly 70% of the time in some games. So the New Orleans Saints should have an opportunity to find and take advantage of the cushions, the, uh, the, the sort of pockets in zones, and the yards after catch opportunities that come. And with Trevor Simeon, who's an intelligent quarterback and who can read zone coverages, that puts him in a situation where he continues to be able to make good decisions for the New Orleans Saints. So can they get the run game going with Mark Ingram? We'll see. Can they get the passing game going against a plus matchup in terms of schematics up against this zone-heavy Tennessee Titans defense? I think that they can. And this is exactly the type of game that the New Orleans Saints have won in over you know the last three or four years. When they have these players out, they don't have this, they don't have that, all of that. The Saints right now, without Teron Armstead, expected without uh, Alvin Kamara expected. And now, of course, Peyton Turner being moved to injured reserve, which is unfortunate for the young first round pick that's just trying to get things going and has been productive when he's on the field. And then now, of course, they're dealing with other injuries as well, like, you know, their starting quarterback being out for the rest of the season. But this is exactly the type of the game that they can walk into and unexpectedly get a win, especially on the road. And right now, the schematics, the matchups, the, the things that they can do to be creative and take advantage of that Tennessee Titans defense are available to them. We'll see if they're able to take advantage of it and get it all done on Sunday in Nashville. Once again, y'all, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day every day here on Locked On Saints. Coming up on Monday, we're going to recap this game. If there's any big news over the weekend, you know we'll show up for you there. And for everything in between, you can always follow me on Twitter. But first, for your second listen today, go and check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. You want to hear more about Odell Beckham Jr. You want to hear more about Cam Newton returning to the NFC South. You're going to get everything that you need and more over with the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, everything around the NFL in less than 30 minutes. Once again, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.